listening to the Retail Razor Show, where your expert hosts and their guests cut through the clutter in retail and retail tech to shape the future of retail. Hello and welcome to Season 3, Episode 7 of the Retail Razor Show. I'm your host, Ricardo Belmar. And I'm your co-host, Casey Golden. Welcome to Retail's favorite podcast for product junkies, commerce technologists, and everyone else in retail and retail tech alike. Today, we continue our illustrious journey on the road to immersive commerce by answering a very important question. What is the future of video commerce? And yes, we do mean more than live streaming and shoppable video. One of my favorite topics, but I also have found that everyone seems to have their own idea of what video commerce is. To set the record straight, we've invited Vincent Yang, co-founder and CEO of Firework, to join us today to share how brands are leveraging video in their commerce strategy and what's on the horizon for live streaming in the US. So we've been talking about live streaming, shoppable video in both one-to-one and one-to-many scenarios, particularly in the context of social commerce since what, back in season one, episode four, where live streaming was one of our top 10 predictions for 2022. Then again, in season one, episode 12, where we talked about social commerce. And after that, in season two, we talked about it off and on in multiple episodes, when we talked about retail media in episode two. Then when we had Polly Wong in our DTC conversation in episode five, followed by our awesome discussion with Brian Dove about e-commerce and marketplaces in episode seven. And again, in episode nine, as part of our predictions for 2023. And honestly, even when we talked with Ashley Crowder about 3D and VR, this came up, right, in episode 11. So yeah, I guess we talk about this a lot. (laughs) So we might just have a passion for the space. Uh, Just maybe. (laughs) I think that, I think it's definitely something where everybody knows I'm excited about it. We're obviously talking about it a lot. Why are so few brands adopting? Exactly, right? Yes, exactly. Yes, yes. What is so difficult for brands about this? It is a very hard ROI. So I think that having Vincent Yang here from Firework is just an amazing way to dig into the topic and really talk about where video commerce is going and add some context around different strategies brands are using to implement it and kind of change their commerce culture a bit. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, sure, we are going to address the elephant in the room that how everyone loves to attack live streaming success or lack thereof in North America as compared to China, Asia. So yeah, we're going to talk about that too with Vincent. But I think the answer isn't so much going to be about live streaming itself, but more about what a retailer or a brand's overall video strategy is for commerce. And I think we're also going to hear why that strategy itself has a lot to do with our back to basics theme too, and the human factor of retail. Exactly. I mean, everyone loves video, but the one thing most people don't realize is how video can instantly change a relationship because it is a human connection. Like we all do when we're shopping in a store something different happens. Fact is, we all consume more and more video content every day, thanks to the Instagram and TikToks of the world, I suppose. But it's inevitable that brands have to not just embrace video like they've been doing, 
but find ways to put those videos to work for them long term and converting shoppers into buyers and that human connection. I think that's really what we're going to be talking about today. But first, it's time for one of our newest segments on the show, Blade to Greatness, where we hear from a retail industry leader who shares their insights and wisdom on how to excel in this dynamic and competitive field. In this segment, we'll learn about the essential skills and qualities that every retail executive needs to lead their teams and their business to success. Whether we're talking about corporate office or stores, we'll uncover valuable tips and advice you can apply to your own retail career for us. Today, we'll be speaking with Ron Thurston, co-founder of Aussie, best-selling author of Retail Pride, podcast host, speaker, advisor, and board member. Ron leverages his extensive experience leading retail operations for America's most prominent brands to bring attention to the issues facing frontline retail workers and retail leaders today. After releasing his book, Retail Pride, and launching the Retail in America tour and podcast, Ron has co-founded Aussie to disrupt how the retail industry hires, engages, connects retail workers with retail brands and technology providers. Today, he's here to talk to us about one of the most important skills a retail leader needs to master, how to reframe your current job search processes to hire the right person. Let's listen to what he has to share with us. Welcome, Ron. Thank you so much, Casey. I really, I appreciate this opportunity to talk about my favorite topic, which is people in retail. This is a topic that I am incredibly passionate about because nothing in retail exists without great people. And whether it's great technology in stores, whether it's great store design, whether it's incredible product, nothing happens without great people in stores. And I know the first topic we wanted to speak about was really how to attract and change the way brands have looked for great candidates, what the job search looks like. So I'll just give you a few highlights and share why we started Aussie. So watching this fall, the real idea here is that the search for candidates and how we've staffed in retail hasn't really changed much in a decade. And so as the industry has evolved, as technology has evolved, and really as the candidate base has changed, we really think about this as the entire, a, a new way to search. Uh, and so that would include things like um, resume review, like coaching to be the, an exceptional candidate about providing resources and tools and training on career advancement. And so when the idea here is to have the largest database of highly qualified and most importantly engaged candidates to work in retail. Because where it has fallen apart is this idea of, oh, I'm just going to post a job on Indeed or LinkedIn or on my company platform, and people are just going to come to me. And the level of engagement in that process is actually quite low. The level of disappointment is very high. The response rates for those applications is really low. So the idea here is I touch service with highly engaged candidates and retailers posting open jobs from in sales, leadership roles, multi-store leadership roles, but very much a focus on the field is how we will change the way the industry works. And it, it's because it's you know, the missing link of how to connect those great people with those jobs. There's no forum to do that today. And again, we've kind of 
said, oh, go walk the mall, or I'm sure you know people on LinkedIn, or I'll post the job on LinkedIn, or I'll post it in other job sites. It, I hear every day from retailers. I hear every day from candidates. It doesn't work. And yet, they're in a new solution. So that's really about reframing and changing the way that we attract talent into the industry. Ron, it seems like part of the problem here has been that while there have been, I would say, many technology-based solutions for hiring in general, the fact is that the needs that retailers have for hiring, particularly for those frontline teams, are actually quite different than, well, I'd say, the normal office-based job position, for example. And so the process shouldn't really be treated the same. And so if you will try to apply a technology solution that's built for that model, it doesn't really work here, does it? You're exactly right, Ricardo. And the reason for that is because field-based roles require exceptional, emotional, empathetic curiosity, things I write about in Retail Pride. There's such a human element to this. And it also then it doesn't require a certain level of education. It doesn't require certain things that may fit into a traditional corporate role. You're interviewing not only for skill and competencies, but you're interviewing for culture fit and a personality, if you will, and their ability to create leaders and be able to lead others, as well as the ability to literally speak to strangers all day long. And that's something that doesn't show up on a resume. So there has to be much more of a human element. It can't be AI searches have determined that you are a good fit. You may actually not have the resume, that would make you an exceptional fit for the job. It actually takes great recruiting skills and a great hiring manager to make those decisions. I think that's a really, it's a really interesting point. At the end of the day, a retail position doesn't really fit on a form or fields. The words that you might expect to be used in a resume, it's much more like accomplishments and tasks. Whereas the soft skills and the people skills and how they work, it, it doesn't fit. It doesn't really fit on a resume. And doesn't. there definitely needs yeah. to be that a different way to even look at candidates. Right. And I think it's also changing the language that we use and what a great candidate would be. And so it's aligning the competencies of, the, of what the retailer expects the job to look like and the competencies that the candidate possesses and that we match it and we use the same language. So every brand has its own, what they deem successful competencies and skills. Yet there can be a mismatch in how the candidate describes their own skill set. And if we say, well, let's talk about kind of leading with empathy. What does that mean for this retailer? And what does leading with empathy mean for the candidate? And are you actually communicating about the same thing? We just don't know how to do that. And where we're building that with Ossia is very much like, let's make this introduction. Let's introduce you to all the best highly engaged candidates who will also understand the language used to be a good candidate. And to, it, it actually saves ultimately a lot of work on the retailer side to have all this conversation done in advance. That, that's what I'm excited. It's consistent. It's very engaged. It's very active in its search. And kind of your point earlier, Ricardo, the way that the industry has also changed is that headcount in stores is lower. It is lower in 2023 than it has been. 
It doesn't mean that there's fewer stores, but there is, in many cases, less payroll being invested. And I understand that as a former head of stores, like why we do that. But what happens is then the headcount goes down, the skill set needs to go up because the workload didn't change. In fact, the workload's higher. The revenue and traffic is equal or higher, yet we have fewer people doing the work. And so for me, that it looks like an opportunity to then really have the best people I can possibly have, even though there are fewer of them than I did before. So there's a balance of headcount versus average hourly rates and cost that I think that's an important future thought for the industry. Yeah, absolutely. That's an excellent point. All excellent points about how things need to change. Well, Ron, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with us on this point today. I think this is a lot of great information that every retail leader and hiring manager of store teams needs to consider. Right. Thank you so much, Ricardo and Casey. Thanks, Ron. Well, Casey, after those words of wisdom, now I am totally ready to dive into video commerce. All right. So am I. I've been really looking forward to this in-depth discussion with Vincent Yang, co-founder and CEO of Firework. Welcome to the show, Vincent. Thank you so much for being here with us. We're so excited to have you here. This is a topic that we have been talking about, dare I say, dancing around all over the place since we practically started this podcast. So it's super exciting for us to have you here. Yeah, thank you for having me, Ricardo and Casey. We have so much to discuss and so much to cover. So obviously, this is a passionate topic for you as much as it is for us. Yes, it's the same thing. So that's why definitely we are very fortunate to be the evangelizing to push the innovation in the retail sectors. So I was really hoping that we can have a great conversation and tell our audience that what's possible. Yeah, so let's just go ahead and jump in and start with some background on how you got here, what inspired you to create Firework, and what sets it apart from other video commerce platforms in the market? Or are there others? Yes. So we founded Fireware about four years ago. And then back then with the goals about we're seeing, you know, more and more people going to shop online. Online is very important for them. But we noticed one thing that's missing, which is the human connections, the personnel connection, the in-store experience, et cetera. So that's why we're starting to think, is there a way where we can bring this kind of in-store shopping experience, the in-person shopping experience from physical to digital? And then we're starting to move on to video because video is not just a player. Video is the only container that can carry the human connection because what else are we going to Text message? No way. Image? Image is too static. That's what we're starting to have a bet to use video to carry the human connections and bring to retailers. So along the way, many people think, oh, Fiverr is similar to TikTok, but we're starting to have our own ways right? because we focus on retailer their own website. Right. I remember when I talked to SoftBank in Massa, their owners, right? She looked at us, oh, you guys are the enterprise B2B version for TikTok, which is a very mm-hmm. good way, right? The difference between Fiverr and TikTok is almost like the same difference between Shopify and Amazon. You can create an account on socials, right? To all the videos, right? But that's more for entertaining, et cetera. But consumers still purchase on website. That's why mm-hmm. we think. Can we bring that kind of experience, carry human connection to the website? And that's kind of where we are. So along the ways, are there competitors? I think biggest competitor people think, even though it's not direct, it's more like a TikTok in the world. They say, oh, I'm doing things over there. But very soon people can understand us. 
right? And then, but gradually, and I'll share a lot later, is about we're starting to build many more modules in the video commerce areas, right? It's not just a simple video. Then we're starting to introduce shoppable video. We're starting to introduce interactive videos. We're starting to introduce live events videos. We're starting to introduce one-to-one videos. We started to introduce one too many digital showrooms videos. So, right, and now we're starting to add in the AIGC to power every single video to be even more powerful. So that ultimately come to entire video commerce cloud. That's where we are right now. And I think that's definitely where there's been a lot of confusion in the market just over, especially during the pandemic, like video commerce, live streaming, all of these conversations just kind of exploded. And Everybody was saying the same words, but they were talking about different things because it was, you know, not very many Americans have WeChat on their phone. Nobody was really playing with TikTok when you're like an exec. (laughs) They didn't really have a lot of experience day to day with what's happening outside of the U.S. To really have context of when you say video commerce and when you say live streaming, when you say broadcasting, they didn't really have that strong point of reference that this is this not it can be a lot of things there's a lot of different applications just with video live streaming doesn't necessarily have to be the same as broadcasting and it doesn't have to be the same as something else and i think the way that you guys have gone about it is the way that you productize it is is very interesting and i think more brands will start understanding that Video commerce isn't just a one point type of solution. Right. And there's yeah. not one definition necessarily. Yes. Yes. And also people starting to I, I see the the perception change, right? Early on, because you know, more and more people heard about China, how they're using a live stream, they had yeah. hundreds of billion dollar GMB. So that's why people's first perception of live stream is doing things on social. Yeah. They're like, oh yeah, got it. I'm doing live stream on Facebook, I'm doing live stream on Instagram. And then they don't see the result. And then they come to a wrong conclusion to say, you know what? Live chain is not the right format yeah. to drive commerce. But this is something what I call is it, it is actually the right format, but you're just doing it in the wrong place. Because this is one thing that's very different between US and China. In yeah. China, there's no website. Consumer never go to website. Website mm-hmm. never existed. Right? In that China. Hurt funnel is very different and the tech stack's different. Yeah. It's different. Yeah. And also three app, social app, you know, WeChat dominates everything. You, <laughs> you read news, you watch video, you do online dating, you buy product, everything in WeChat. That's yeah. why you buy everything inside of a WeChat or a TikTok version mm-hmm. over there, right? Let's say you wanted to buy a Ruff Lauren products or Levi's. You don't go to RuffLauren.com. You go to WeChat and then find a Ruff Lauren accounts. Whereas in the US, 99.9% when you want to buy Ruffler, when you want to buy Lululemon, where do you go? If you first you go. See, you see. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you go to the website, you go to Lululemon. Yeah, exactly. Why Lululemon <laughs> right. generates $3 billion sales. It's actually yeah. very different. So, yeah. so that's why, and because as you said, in the early on, there's a lot of chaotic views a lot of mm-hmm. wrong perception, but now I think it has been cleared out a lot better now. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. and and you know, I, I, th- this has always been the most fascinating thing to me I- as well, because there was this assumption that it had to be that singular format, that the way 
consumers ad- adopted this in China versus thinking about, well, how can I take this from just a technology point of view, but use it to go, you know, go back to the original problem, right? Which I think you pr- stated so well, which is how do I bring that human connection back into the experience through video? Yeah. And if I look at it from that point of view, the answer doesn't have to be live streaming on a social platform, right? It can be if I already know I'm attracting customers to my website, now you can say, well, how do I make that experience more human through video? And I think that's where we really start to see a difference and, and all the, the format types that you just listed. To- you know, totally. You, yeah. totally. And could, could you give us like some examples? I know you have some great customer examples. I would love to hear a few examples on each of these different format types of how people are accomplishing that. Absolutely. I think format is one between short, live, long. Another one I, w- I would just first throw it out as another dimension people should think about is creators. Who are the creators, right? Because mm-hmm. in China, the only creator that do live stream are influencers, right? They're KOL. Mm-hmm. People are buying the product, not because of Nike. They're because of the specific influence. I love this influencer. And also in China, the format is a brand pays lots of money to a huge influencer, leveraging the influencers to traffic. And then the biggest reason why consumer buy is discount. Most of the time you see in the big live stream say, oh, I'm selling Nike shoe for 50% off. That's the reason. But it's not about brands building a relationship with the visitors, not at all. But in the US, it's very different because the website does matter, right? People want it to attract it. And also what we find, right, many times in the US is not about influencer. Influencer carrying, doing brand awareness campaign, fantastic. Influencer driving sales, not the best mm-hmm. way, not the mm-hmm. best way at all. But you know what's the real way in the U.S. that work that in China you don't see that is sales associate, exactly. Right? The U.S. is actually having your own staff, your sales associate, mm-hmm. right? Your in-house, your beauty advisors, your you know fashion stylist, right? If you think about Nima mm-hmm. Marcus in Austria, using your own fashions, right? Because I'm already on your website. Because in the U.S., consumer buy on your website. I already have the brandness, brand awareness. That's why I'm coming to Lululemon, but. Mm-hmm. Right now, you show me a bunch of images. I want to see how those clothes and the, 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 the leggings really look like in a real person, right? And that's the time you can use video to show, right? We have many, many customers like that. For example, one of our customers called Fresh Market in grocery sector. People might think, well, why would people watch video for grocery, right? So one of the key things for grocery is inspiration. So what they mm-hmm. did is use chefs, not celebrities. They have yeah. in-house chef, they have in-house kitchens, right? Yeah. So every you have the chef doing spending 20 minutes showcasing how you can make a fantastic cuisine using all of those. Right? Mm. The engagement rate is very high and they drive a lot of sales. That's kind of how they're using this. The meanwhile, if you look at some of the beauty and hair care brand like Olaplex, right? This is also another viral customer. If you go to their website, they're doing something very different. Olaplex. Right. Yeah. OX is fantastic. And right. And it's a very small team, over a hundred people, but hugely successful companies. Right. You you know what? It's their founders herself creating hmm. authentic mm-hmm. conversation. Yeah. So so the very different thing is they're not creating a video content like a PGC content. What they're doing is I'm just creating a conversation. That's kind of what they're doing. Now, if you think about the same thing for Gap, which also uses Fire, you can see kind of how they're using it. It's the same thing. Inside of their showrooms, what they did is about using the 30 minutes time to change clothing to show you almost like a runway show, right? They've mm. been hiring to show mm-hmm. you how they have been doing that. 
Another very interesting case I want to talk about is a brand under Unilever called Liquid IV. I'm sure everybody heard about Liquid IV. Very, very popular, right? You can buy it in the physical retail stores. But they also are pushing big on the digital, right? But for people to go to digital, it's not about buying Liquid IV. There are so many places to buy. It's more about learning. So that, you know, what they did, they actually have their in-house data scientist and in-house nutritionist to actually talk about the nutrition ingredients of the Liquid IV. And how is that different? It's a 15 minutes long interactive live stream. They're not selling anything. They're not giving any discount per se. Mm-hmm. The format they're doing using a long form interactive video is through education. And that works very well. People are tuning a lot longer than people watch like a funny influencer doing social pranks. Mm-hmm. So, so <laughs> those are examples yeah. what we find helpful. Right, right. So uh, let me ask you about another interesting format that I know I, I've seen you reference before as well. And that's this idea of, because those, those are great one-to-many examples, but I, I think you could also see great applications for this in a one-to-one clienteling kind of approach. Yeah. One-to-one clienteling is what I would say a new frontier of videos. Because in the past, if you think about one-to-one clienteling, it's mostly text chat. It's mostly mm-hmm. chat right? Mm-hmm. First, it started with whether it's Zendesk and everyone intercom doing it more for customer support. Right. In those cases, I don't need to interact with a human. I just need, hey, where the order come? Can I return it? What's the return policy, et cetera? Mm-hmm. But we've noticed it's a very interesting trend. And that trend only happens in the US, in the Western world. Because in China, again, there's no website. There's no one to clientele. Right. It's more about as people starting to think about this. Hey, can it also be a front end tool? Can I be a, 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 a check spot? Can I be a selling tool? Yeah. Right. But when it comes to selling, you can't sell a rough Lauren things using text messages. You have to show it. Mm-hmm. So that's why video right. comes. Right. So for we spend a lot of time on one-to-one clientele using videos. So, so this is something that you, know, you will see, I think, will be 90% of the use case where the live stream ultimately, ultimately lands. Right? The Chinese way of live stream, technically everything is a live stream. Right? Zoom is a live stream. Everything is live stream. Right, it's just more about different way of use case. I think the U.S. will, will ended up more into this kind of one to one style of live stream. Yeah, that can mm-hmm. really make impact. So, anytime when developing a new category, I'm sure you're seeing significant user engagement and a lot of different and diverse like content creation. You've shared some of the the memorable success stories. What can a brand expect when they're when you're looking at performance? When they're planning this to adopt, where are they looking at? Is it a conversion rate? Is it impressions? Is it viewers? Like, where can they expect performance? What kind of KPIs? And who's responsible for this? Yeah. Because we're used to it being with Facebook Live. So it's, it's the marketing team. But when you go into sales or you use sales associates, now you're in physical stores, you're in how to retail president of retail, the buyer's kind of different. So for all of our listeners (laughs) to kind of match them up to, I can do this or I should do this. And this is what I can expect if I started an initiative like this. Yeah, I think that's a very good question. And then we can talk hours just about ROIs. So the first, first measurement is about conversion rate, right? 
So normally, if you think about a retail online website, conversion rate is 1% to 2%. If you use the video commerce in the right way, you should be seeing a double or sometimes even a triple in conversion rate. Because we all know video just engages so much better, right? But not a video to say you put like a TV ads, 30-second TV ads onto the website. I can tell you nobody even watched that, right? But right. a real person authentically tell things, conversion rate will jump very high. Not because of a video because of the human connection experience you offer. So that's the first one, the conversion rate, a one-time conversion rate. The second thing, what you are seeing is about AOV, average order values. Because again, every time in the physical store, when I talk to a sales associate, I tend to buy more. Right? Don't I, we all? <laughs> we are time, as soon as there's, it's what I call sales assisted, right? Every time when there is a sales rep coming in, I buy more. Right, you buy the shoes or you think about the pants or there is a much better hat you should do. So AOV also increased by the range of 30% to 100%. That's AOV. The next one is engagement, right? But engagement is what I call a leading indicator, right? It's leading. So meaning, you know, as, are your users engaged? We provide many measurements to say, how long do they watch? Previously, for example, the average session length for people stay on your website is one minute for your desktop. 30, uh, 30 seconds for mobile. What I've seen is if you do the right things, a live stream, people can watch it for 15 minutes in average, 15 minutes. That means people will stay on your website for way longer. But what does it mean if I stay on your website way longer? Of course, people are going to buy more. They're going to come back more, right? So a lot of those. So engagement is also another very interesting thing, right? And also another thing what you see in particular for fashion apparel is return rate. Return rate has been a big complaints in particular for digital. In the average, we're seeing digital are seeing about two times to three times higher return rate than physical, right? Because I couldn't touch it. Image is many times wrong, right? It looks, everything yeah, looks- so, Also true, so true, yeah. yeah. And everything looks fantastic in the models, but I'm a normal person. Does it look nice for me? I don't know, right? But again, when you have your normal sales associate in a fitting room showcase, all the dresses, people say, well, that's my size then return less because they are much more informed. That's for sure. And on the overall, what I'm thinking is the whole point of e-commerce is, LT, is LTV to cap, lifetime values. Mm -hmm. This is in that the other metrics I talk about is short-term. It's a one-off, right? You do a live event, you see, you know, what's the conversion. But people tend to make a mistake of not measuring long-term. Because if you're doing a, offering a much better personalized, immersive customer experience, ultimately your CLV, customer lifetime value will increase. Lifetime value is composed of AOV multiplied by repeat purchases, right? Because again, I'm, I feel way more connected. If you're Levi's, I feel way more connected. Next time, even when I go to the shopping mall, you know where I go to? I go to Levi's because I have a fantastic experience with you online and that will trigger down to offline. If you can get people to come back to your website, even just 20% more. It, I used to buy five jeans, now I can buy six jeans. And the user acquisition cost for a repeat customer is zero. You don't need to pay ads for it. Because right now, I, I don't know about you, what I've seen the big trend is retailer, because everybody is having a hard time, right? They're not doubling or tripling your ad budget. But if you're not doubling or tripling the top of funnel, you're not buying doubled ads. How do I double my revenue? Right? Mm -hmm. You can, which is, double either your your conversion rate from 1% to 2% double, or you double the repeat purchases. People come back one more time, so you double the revenue, or you double the AOV. 
And all of those are Reduce the ones. Returns. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or, you, or you, yeah, cut your, your return by half. There are yeah. four, right. five ways. That's why there are so many marketers. I call them irresponsible marketers. And say, well, boss, you want me to double the revenue? Give me double the budget. Hmm. When I know. Exactly. Right? There are better ways. Nope, yeah. nope. You either give me double the budget or I can't do the job. Right. But mm -hmm. there are many ways in the mid funnel or the bottom funnel, yeah. people can start working. It really does come to that bottom funnel. I feel it's it's very hard for smaller unknown brands to compete in the world of ROAS because mm. they can't afford to repeat. And so I feel a lot of the companies that are really trying to grow their business, everybody is already aware of the brand. You know, like we don't, it's not, there's not a lot of new brand discovery that's competing at this level. And so it's more or less, you know, you're fighting over the eyeballs more so than brand awareness. Totally agree. Totally. Agree. Yeah. There's not very many people that don't know Ralph Lauren or haven't heard of Gap or like you're aware. We're very aware. <laughs> the ads have been. Right. Like, not everybody has. Yeah. You're just really fighting for that attention. And that's, I feel, where that experience and the human connection really plays peace on preference. Top yes. of mind. Yeah. Not top of funnel. Right. And I think you're absolutely right. I mean, you can get attention at that top of the funnel, but all you've done is get attention. If you really need to, to get that conversion, you have to move them into something down funnel to keep that interest. And to your, like you say, Casey, you've got to create a preference, right? So that there is a go-to brand for that consumer versus just, oh, that's the latest ad I saw. Ricardo, I totally agree. They're one of the biggest misconception, in particular from marketers. Every time when we talk about video, they immediately associate with TikTok. They're like, yeah, yeah. I'm focusing right. all on TikTok, right? Because I'm doing the top of funnel and et cetera. And then we're like, but what about your website? I'm like, your website, I don't need help. All what I need is doing things on another channel. But what about your own channel? Oh, mm -hmm. you know what? I don't need it because every, single, every people visit our website, they're going to convert anyway. And that's so wrong because 99% yeah. of visiting your website doesn't even go in there. Yeah. Yeah, I don't so, even convert. I always say like, if 2% of your in-store traffic can, bought something, you would shut the store down. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> right. So what makes right. you think that your e-commerce store is successful at 2% conversion rate? You've got 98% opportunity here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, and, and to me, this is a little bit like saying if I were measuring my store by saying, well, I don't need to worry about what happens once the customer comes in, they are always going to buy something. And we all know that's not true either. <laughs> so you know, everyone often walks into a store, looks at something, maybe has an intent, but doesn't make a purchase. And I think to something you said earlier, Vincent, if there were a store associate involved at that point, then the conversion rate changes, right? If that's just a customer that's left to their own, to themselves, to wander around the store, never engaged versus a customer that comes into the store and is engaged by a store associate helps them find what they're looking for in some way that has a much higher probability to convert. Totally agree. That's why we see the involvement of the retailer because the old school retailer, what you find, because there's not the marketing role is really about branding, <laughs> particularly before e-commerce is a thing. So they focus on branding. They focus more on social. But what I noticed right now, there are more and more retailer you have the real call CDO, chief digital officer. And these people starting to have a stronger, stronger say. And and you know what? Their KPI is all about conversion rate. 
So that's at least a good sign about brands are starting to look at this right now. The right people with the right mindset, data-driven, really measurement, really mid-funnel to bottom funnel view, and also really a holistic view, meaning a whole omni-channel view. Consumer right now are doing research online, go to offline to try, go back to online to purchase. The user journey is happening in multiple places. And can we evaluate them as a whole instead of just say, eh, I'm doing ads on TikTok, no converting, that sucks. No, it's just one part of the funnel. So right. those things are happening right now. Yeah, yeah, I'm, absolutely. So, I mean, these are all great points. Let me ask you one other potential area of, of advice. So if you're talking with a retailer who's looking to start to develop that video commerce strategy, what, what are the things that you say to them? Is the place they need to start thinking about first, is it budget? Is it dedicated resources? Is it more about what their overall content strategy is? Where, where do you, you advise them to start? Yeah, that's a very good question. That's a question I thought all the time. So it depends. So I break down retailer into two parts. One is a retail that's selling to the mass market with a relatively lower AOV, like Old Navy, right? So that's one step. Another type of retailer is higher AOV, luxury, right? Or furniture. Think about CB2, West Ham's, right? So the, the main reason is I said because then you have different entry point in how you adopt video commerce. So for low AOV mass, you cannot do one-to-one, right? Yeah. So then what you do is normally what I recommend start is creating short shoppable videos. That's the simple way to do it. Create short shoppable video. That's normally what I call the crawl walk around the step one. And most of the brand will already have a content team. They are, but in the past, they just rely 100% on social thinking. The social media is the only place where a short video can live. Now, the good news is, hey, your short video can also live on your website now where people have the real intent. So that's normally the simplest way to start. You don't need to create additional content. You already have certain content, but you still need to fine tune it because the content on social, the best performing content social normally are the worst performing content on your website. Because social is, I think Casey used the word called competing eyeballs. You only have one second to get attention. Normally people have to do crazy things, but on a website, I'm already here. You don't need to do crazy things. You don't need to hire a celebrity. You don't need to hire those social influencers, right? You can just show me, show me how the dress look like, right? And also you can put it on PDP page, not necessarily on the homepage. So, so that's what I, on the other side, when I saw a, a retailer, right? Think about Pottery Barnes and more in the higher end side, whereas what I call a personal connection matters, people selling matters. So for them, I would suggest starting with one-to-one. And for one-to-one, normally they will suggest is have one to two sales associate. By the way, most of them already have sales associate doing online consultation. If you look at Clarence, they're already doing online consultation. There are so many brands in the, in the COVID time, they're doing yeah. scheduling. They'll pretty much use Calendly plus Zoom to do online consultation. And then when COVID is over, but your consumer already love this format. Hey, why do I need to drive 40 miles away to my nearest guitar centers, right? I can sit at home, but then I can stream directly to someone in the store. I can get exactly the same experience there and save 40 miles drive. So for those brands, I recommend starting with one-to-one and gradually trickle down to one-to-many. One of the brands that I feel is just doing a really great job, which is one of your customers, is Beekman 1802. Uh, yeah. They're Blooming Skin Show. I really like the way that they, the strategy that they took and... Yeah. 
where it is like this kind of like a, feels like a morning show on their on their site and it's scheduled and pro- people probably have it on their calendars and the, all the staff kind of circles through and participates and takes ownership of content and I thought that it was it was just really well done. I was just like I like that. You really get to know the team. This is very good. This is a point which we started to talk about is creating a habit. Right? Yeah. One mm-hmm. wrong way to adopt life change is doing only once and never do it again. Mm-hmm. I want to try once. I want to yeah. see do see that. What happens. It's almost like I want to create a YouTube video to see can I suddenly get 2 million followers I'm like <laughs> No, you cannot, right? Cuz you you have to create a habit. So, so what what I've noticed is more and more retailer brands either are creating a cadence of every week, like a show, right? Or starting every week. And then, you know what? We even starting to have customers doing every day. They created something called a digital showrooms. It's almost like, cause think about this, every day from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m., who goes to the store? No one. Everybody's at home at work. Mm-hmm. You have no one in your store. So what do you do, sales associate? Why don't you put on the camera? And start selling online because nobody's in your store anyway. So I think those are where then the brands will say, hey, you know what? Every day from a certain period of time, we will be chatting with our customer online. Not chatting, right? But really using a live stream. What I call, some people call it office hours. Some people call it live selling hours. That's another. Mm -hmm. I think that is a very stronger use case in the US. Yeah. At the end of the day, this, it's a content strategy, but it's also a commerce strategy. And driving conversion you know that is at the end of the day the goal when you're thinking about this is is it personalization is it is it scaling access to personas building that authentic content there is more of a pushback here i'd say with who's going to be in the front who's doing it is it a job is it a sales associate and now with ai and different avatars and different types of technology. What are your thoughts on this, where the brands take additional control on the AI side? Mm, yes. So AI is a very big piece, what's happening right now. It's for Fire, we are pro-human. So yeah. our goal is about not having more bots. Consumer already said they don't like bots. Every time on a website, even if you saw the chat bot, every time yeah. they click onto it, because it's bot. They roll their eyes. Right. Nobody <laughs> wants to talk to unless you have to. Let's say I want to return something and then no right. one wants to talk to me. Yeah, that's a fantastic case for companies like Zendesk, right? Customer support, yeah. et cetera. Right. So we are pro-humans. So this is the first one. So that's why to your first half of the question, who should be the creators, right? Most of the time what we talk about is your sales associate. Not everyone, right? But certain sales associates that are more you know, friendly in front of the cameras. Sometimes can be the founder for smaller business, right? Because again, founder just carry the face of the business. Think about Olaplex. Think about right the relatively smaller brands. It can be the marketing director. Essentially, it's leverage as much in-house stuff. And then the second tier is brand ambassador. And again, I say those are brand ambassador, not celebrity or influencer, because those are just pay to play. Your consumer knows it, right? What I'm talking about is someone that truly understands. Sometimes it can be customers. Right? If you look at one of our brands called Pacific Beauty, they have their customer recording 30-second videos and upload it to them and put it on a website. Fantastic. So I feel like those are the ones that really do well. But then when it comes to second question, how AI play a role in this one? So in what Fiverr has been doing is, is something interesting. So we're launching a few AI GC products. The first is 
combine AI with live stream. One of the biggest bottlenecks for the US to adopt live stream is the word live, meaning it only is live for 20 minutes. And after mm -hmm. that, it's gone. And right. it's not like TikTok yeah. can get everybody into the apps. Whereas think about roughlauren.com. It's very hard to say all the 30 million visitors just come here right now, right away at exact, oh yeah. wait. At this time, <laughs> yeah. No, it's like when I show up, you guys all better be ready for me. <laughs> it's and like not, the opposite. It's not like social. And a website doesn't work in this way, right? Website have a, so that, but, but then the problem is when the life is over, there's something called replay continue, right? What we find is about 90% of revenue was generated by replay, by replay. But the problem for replay is it's not interactive anymore because the video is already over, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, this is the point of time that AIGC can really bridge the gap. Where do you launch this with a fresh market to say, hey, even if it's a replay, can we use AI to make a customer feel it's still live? Right? I can ask questions. All the answer to me, right, is really relevant to me. Even at 2 a.m. in the morning, I feel like I'm in a live stream. This is something what I call always on live stream with the power of AI. And this is the first, I think, the true commercialized because there's too many people talking about AIGC or right, become a gimmick project about AIGC. Yeah. But, but mm -hmm. to truly commercializing, I think this is the first one. We're also working on using synthetic media, the avatar style, but we are not really a big fan of traditional avatar like the metaverse world because it's too childish. It's not really, right? It's not, it's, it's just very impossible. People are more doing this for check the box, right? So what we are investing a lot on is how do I create a digital human that is almost like a copycat of a real person, whereas consumer couldn't feel any difference, right? This is the kind of roadmap of tech we're working on. So very, very cool. So that makes me think of another point as we think of how consumers are consuming all of this, this video content. And you sort of touched on it before, but if I think about, you know, even Google search now, right, is referencing TikTok videos, right? They're just everywhere. It kind of takes over everyone's feed. What do you think we can expect in terms of how people are going to discover this yeah, video yeah. content? I mean, I imagine brands, you know, need to start indexing a lot of their own video content and really prepare a search strategy of some kind to help with that discovery of, of these videos. And kind of to your point, now that it's, it was live, now it's on demand, but I still am going to want to capture benefit from that and yeah. generate commerce from it. So how, how do you see that taking shape? And, you know, is it, is it an 18 month process? Is it happening? now already, or is this something that there's more work to be done? So it can happen right away. So what I notice is first putting the videos onto the homepage on category pages, and the third is on PDP page, right? Mm -hmm. A bigger retail when you already have hundreds of thousands of visitors, even the bigger one has millions to tens of million visitors, you can get the benefit right away. Because right? those are the people already come to the website and there's a huge volumes, right? So that's the step number one. Step number two is we build a lot of features to allow brands to embed this experience in your emails, for example. Email mm -hmm. is a huge mm -hmm. one. Yeah. Right? It's what I call off-platform, right? Off-O-N-O. Mm -hmm. You have your O-N-O, no matter what, start with your O-N-O. That's also require a mindset change. Again, people think, well, mm -hmm. whatever video is elsewhere, but I'm like, right. no. It's got to be on social. Or it's on your O-N-O first. Let's think about that, right? And then elsewhere, what is elsewhere? But those are the elsewhere that are still in your control. It's the email, right? It's the SMS, 
It's your mobile app. Some of the bigger one has your own mobile apps. Let's bring the same experience over there. It can be in store. Let's say, hey, now due to the COVID, everybody knows how to scan a QR code, isn't it? Right. Inside of a store, when I watch, want to see how people dress up a clothing, right? I can scan a QR code and immediately see how videos are doing that inside of the store. Or even bigger brands can use Fiverr to put it on their preferred publishers. So let's say, for example, Condé Nast or Who What Wear are those fantastic. They have deals with those brands. But before that, they're the brands are doing banner ads. Now the brands can go to their preferred publishers who has a hundred times more traffic to say, look, I'm still coming in the money, but I don't want to buy banner ads anymore. Could you put this Fiverr thing out, right? I want them to engage with my brand in this way. So essentially, is you can create your own, what I call a de- decentralized TikTok. Your website is the core, where now you can put the same experience onto everywhere, into emails and SMS and in-store, in your publisher. If you are a CPG brand, you can put on your retailer as well and to build your own network. So that's the beautiful. Well, that's obviously a pretty interesting evolution and, and way for, as you said, as everyone to change their mindset and frame of reference for how to approach video commerce this way. And it, it, as you look further out, so if that's what we can do today, what, what are you seeing in, as far as this future of, of personalizing this, this human connection through shoppable video, through video commerce and all the forms that we've talked about so far? You know, if you're looking out a year from now, two years from now, and so what, what, what do you see as that evolution? Yeah, what I see a little bit future, let's say two years from now, let's visualize in examples. I go to a website called Ralph Lauren. On the bottom right, there is a sales associate greets me in videos. And when I click the videos, when that sales associate is live, meaning it's the office hour, I can directly have a conversation. But when the sales associate is no longer there, right? Let's say it's midnight or the office has closed. You know what? I will still have the pretty much similar experience. I can ask questions and then the sales associate will be answering the questions using AIs, right? We can recreate the videos using the new technologies and also the answers they do, right? And can be pretty much 99% like this real person. It's not an avatar, it's still that person, right? Mm-hmm. But that person becomes digital. And that also person guides me throughout my whole journeys. Right. We firework can also integrate with your first party data. As soon as integrate your first party data, it suddenly unleashes way more power because we see what other product you've already purchased. So let's say when you come back, you're already a loyal customer for Ralph Lauren. As soon as you visit Ralph Lauren, somebody say, Hey, Vincent, welcome back. What brings you here today? And then can I show you some of the latest collection of a section I know you'll be interested in? You see? So then it's, it's still coming to the, to, to the final vision that we have is to empower brands to create a meaningful personal connection. Number one, it needs to be personal. Number two, it needs to be meaningful. Just seeing an image is not. Having a chat, text chat is not meaningful. I need to have a one-to-one video live, almost like a Zoom style conversations for more than five minutes. That's a real meaningful thing. And I think that's where the future will be at. Well, Vincent, we knew this was going to be a dynamic discussion. I mean, I love any conversation that has to do with any version of clientele. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> and this is definitely delivered. I know we learned a lot from this conversation and really excited to see how video commerce grows in the coming months. I'd love to see more and more brands start adopting the strategy and 
really owning it on their own platform. So thank you so much for really taking our listeners through like a nice, I want to say like strategic deep dive. Like I think there's, there's yeah, no there that people can kind of just take back with them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we think we went from, you know, at the beginning and kind of talking about what video commerce is. And, and I almost want to start saying that how it's not just live streaming, right? There's so much more to this than just the, this original concept everyone started with of live streaming. I mean, I love actually how you, you put it that, you know, it's all, it was all live streaming. Every time we do these, it's always been live streaming, but it wasn't commerce yet. And that's really what, what the, the difference is here. And I, I really, you know, I, I think it's important to also point out too, you explained this so well, that it's not about trying to replicate the, the way that this concept grew in China and, and around Asia. It's about finding the right application for it that suits a, a U.S. consumer or North American consumer and that actually generates commerce for the brand. And that doesn't have to be the same. There's no reason we have to put, you know, this isn't putting the square peg in the round hole kind of situation. This is finding the right mix and the right utility and making it work. And I think that's really, you know, it's recognizing that every market is unique. And I think it just reflects the power of what you're doing with video commerce. Yeah. So again, the, the pleasure is mine. I feel excited to share what we learned here to your audience. The only thing what I sometimes feel inspired to be an entrepreneur is letting people to imagine the unimagined. There are so many times when I talk to a retailer, say, what is, the, what is the challenge you're facing? Before they talk to us, yeah, you know what? The challenge I face is I want to find better creator can do better TikTok video so I can get better operation. Because it's almost like people say, I want a faster horse. They don't right. see the possibility. Now that's, wait, yeah. what you're saying, wait, I can put on my own website? That's not possible, right? I thought, you know, <laughs> the best way is doing short video on TikTok. My website is totally separate. My website is supposed to be boring. My website is supposed right. to be a catalog, right? Yeah. It's not supposed it's not TikTok. To, yeah. Right. What if I tell you your website could be as entertaining as TikTok? Then they're like, oh my God. Then it totally changed the way how I view my teams, how I view my sales associate, how I view my e-commerce team versus the marketing team, how I view my physical store, head of store, how I wanted to get them involved. So... I think ultimately it's not about technology, it's about a mindset change. Can we be open-minded to imagine this impossible? Now it's possible now. Very soon the next chapter is AI can do a lot of things that you cannot imagine possible. Can we be open-minded, right? If not, whatever technology never solved the problems. 100% agree. Thank you so much, Vincent. I'm really, really glad that you joined us today. This has been great. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a great conversation. It inspired a lot of you know, my thinking. Very good questions. Thank you. Cardo, that is a wrap for this episode. Yes, it is. If you enjoyed our show, please consider giving us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Remember to smash that subscribe button in your favorite podcast player or watch us on YouTube so you don't miss a minute. If you want to know more about what we talked about today, take a look at our show notes for handy links and more deeds. And if you're not listening on Good Pods, give them a spin. Join their podcasting community to follow our show. We recently hit the number one spot at the top of Indie Management Podcast Chart. And we love our Good Pods fans. I'm your co-host, Casey Bolton. And if you'd like to connect with us and share your feedback, follow us and the show on Twitter at KCC Golden, Ricardo underscore Belmar, and at Retail Razor. Or find us on LinkedIn. 
And if you want even more from us, subscribe to our Substack that includes full episode transcripts and bonus content. I'm your host, Ricardo Belmar. Thank you for joining us. And remember, there's never been a better time to be in retail if you cut through the clutter. Until next time, this is The Retail Razor Show.